Hey, I got a favor to ask before we get to the uh, message today. Um, if you have Facebook, I want you to go on Facebook, look up our church, First Baptist Church Madisonville, um, and follow, hit follow. Whenever you see some of the announcements that they put up, and especially with our children, we have a lot of announcements, I, I want you to hit the share button. Like is good, that's fine. But if you hit the share button, then it goes out. I did a little test this week, and... Uh, Anybody remember the television cartoon on Sunday morning called Davy and Goliath? Remember that claymation, right? And always had a good moral, came from the church. And um, I put that out on one of my places that I have on the 70s, people who grew up in the 70s. It was, it was pretty cool. In, in one day, I had over 600 people who reacted to that. Just one little picture of Davy and Goliath. So what I'm telling you is, if you'll do that, if you'll go on Facebook and hit that share button, then we'll have um, a lot more people being able to access uh, our, our services and get our announcements, and it might just get them come, coming into church. So please do that for me. I'd appreciate that. Well, last week, our message ended with the prodigal son being restored to his father's house. This parable that Jesus is speaking was really uh, directed at some of the Pharisees and, and scribes that had come to listen, but his story so far was dealing with who Jesus had come to meet with and, and to eat with, and that was the tax collectors and sinners. But um, they were not the only one to listen to the message. These Pharisees, these scribes had come along, but they had come to criticize Jesus. A couple of weeks ago, we read the first few verses about the tax collector sinners were drawing near to Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled because they said, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Well, he's the Savior, so you'd think that would be okay, but they didn't like that. It wasn't a part of how they did business. They were high and above all the sinners, especially tax collectors. But they, the tax collectors, the sinners, they were glad to hear about what Jesus was talking about, that God loved them, loved them enough to go out at night and seek them as lost sheep. God was interested in them enough to search diligently until he found them like the precious coin. And then they were glad to hear that God was like a loving father who watched for them every day and then restores them when they come, making them his son. But the message was lost on these religious leaders. The scribes, the Pharisees, um, they felt confident that they had escaped the Lord's judgment. He'd entered his uh, centered his uh, attention on the publicans and the sinners, the tax collector, especially in the story of the prodigal son. They were the prodigal sons. But Jesus wasn't over with the story. He continued the story, and he introduces a new character, the elder son. And this elder son is clearly an illustration of these religious Pharisees and scribes. So often we read the parable and we focus on the prodigal son. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus 
the whole time he was telling these three parables was getting to this portion of scripture we're going to read today because his focus was going to be on the elder brother who represented the Pharisees. Everything he said in the three parables was leading up to this part of the story. The publicans and the sinners were guilty of obvious sins of the flesh. But the Pharisees and the scribes were guilty of sins of the spirit. Their outward actions were fine. Everybody would look at them and say, they, they lived a good, correct life. They were blameless, but inward. Their attitude was terrible. You see, they didn't see themselves as lost or rebellious because they were self-righteous. And in that self-righteousness, they were blinded to the message that Jesus was telling. They were lost. They were rebellious, but they didn't see it. But Jesus knew their hearts. And so Jesus continues the parable. We're in Luke chapter 15. I'm going to begin reading at verse 25. I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we read God's word. Uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 25 through 32. Now, his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house and he heard music and dancing, he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years... I have served you. I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that, I, that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. This, your brother, was dead and is alive. He was lost and he is found. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would open our eyes to behold wonderful truths out of your law. Make this message something that strikes to our hearts. I pray, O oh God, that you would minister your grace and peace to these, your people, today as we study your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Now we need to admit that the elder brother had some great virtues. He, he had virtues that were commendable. He worked hard. He always obeyed his father. He never brought disgrace to his home or to his village. And apparently he had enough friends that he could have had a pretty good party. He seems like a good, solid citizen. And let's face it, compared to his younger brother, he was almost a saint. I heard a story about a Texan oil man. He and his brother were dirty, rotten, no good scoundrels. I mean, terrible. They drank and they cussed and they smoked and all kinds of things, and one brother died. The other brother had a hard time finding a preacher to preach his funeral. And finally, he put it out. $10,000 
if someone will preach a funeral for my brother, deeming him as a saint. Well, of course, it was a Baptist preacher who showed up and said, I can do that. There at the funeral, he talked about this man, how rotten he was, how terrible he was, drinking and cussing, womanizing, running around, doing all these things, mean to everybody. But compared to his brother, this man was a saint, collected his $10,000 and went home. You know, it's important to be obedient. That's a good trait. But it's not the only test of character. Jesus taught that the two greatest commandments were love the Lord thy God and to love your brother as um, yourself. This elder brother broke both of these commandments. He didn't love the father and he didn't love his brother. He didn't love God who was represented by the father. He didn't love his brother. He didn't even know his brother had come home. This elder brother would not forgive his brother who wasted the family inheritance, who disgraced the family by his actions, but neither would he forgive his father because his father graciously forgave him, welcomed him back in as his son. When you examine the sins of the elder brother, you can easily understand why he pictures the scribes and the Pharisees that were gathered to hear this message. Let me, let me talk about some of the sins of the elder brother. Number one, he was self-righteous. A self-righteous person is a person who compares himself to others. And he sees how much better he is than you are. A self-righteous person is exactly how this elder brother came across. He openly announced the sins of the prodigal brother, but he could not see his own sin. By the way, how did he know what his brother was doing? His brother had got there. He didn't even know his brother had come home, so he didn't, you know, stop and talk to him first. You know, you know what a self-righteous person does? Assumes, assumes that this is how you are living and he's so much better than you. The Pharisees define sin primarily in terms of outward action, not inward attitude. So they completely missed the message that Jesus had taught on the Sermon of the Mount where the emphasis was on inward attitudes and holiness of heart, not action. The second sin of the elder brother was pride, pride. Just think, he served his father all those years. He never disobeyed his father. He had a great testimony at home and in that village, but his heart wasn't in the work. And it sounds like uh, he was always dreaming of having a big party thrown in his honor so all of his friends could come and enjoy themselves. Well, like the prophet Jonah, the elder brother did the father's will but it wasn't from the heart. He was a hard worker, a faithful worker. These are qualities to be commended, but his work was not a labor of love that would please the Father. His third sin was an unconcern for his missing brother. Just imagine having to be told that his brother 
had come home. Now the father was watching for him. We learned that last week. Always watching for him. But not this brother. The elder brother, he didn't know that his brother had come home until one of the servants told him. And then even though he knew that it would make his father happy by going in, the elder brother didn't want his younger brother to come home. Why should he share his estate now? Why should this brother be welcomed back into the home? Why should he who wasted his inheritance be given more? Why should I share my father's love with somebody who brought shame to my father's name? The prodigal's lifestyle only made the elder brother look good. And perhaps this would make the father love that elder brother even more. No doubt about it, the arrival of the younger son brought a threat to the older son. The fourth and probably most disturbing of the elder son's sin was his fierce anger. His fierce anger. We're going to take the rest of our time this morning to talk about his anger. He was angry at both his father and his brother. And he would refuse to go into the house. He refused to go and celebrate with this joyful occasion. Anger is an emotion. It's normal. It's a normal emotion. And it doesn't need to be sinful. The Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. We can get the sense that there is a lot of anger in this elder son. I mean, he's just coming home from work. Everything seemed okay. He heard the party going on, and he just asked the question, what's going on? And as soon as he heard that his brother was there, it just raged inside of him. Now, of course, he, he'd be angry that the prodigal, for the way he left, this would mean that he would have more responsibility. He would have more work put on him. So he's mad at his brother just for that. I think he was also kind of upset that the family name took a hit with his departure. But anger goes beyond that brother. I, I can see him even being angry with the father for allowing the son to take those resources and go off and experience the world. I can imagine the father lamenting the son's departure. Can you imagine what the, the home was like days, weeks, months after the younger son left? The father just picking at his food and going upstairs and and praying for his son. Every time the, the elder son would look at his father, tears would be in his eyes. Dad, what's wrong? Well, I was just thinking about your brother. That would just infuriate him to see what this boy had done to his dad. So he's mad at the brother. He's mad at the father for allowing all of this to happen. And now all of that anger rises to the surface when he finds that his father had now given the younger son the fatted calf. This feast that the elder brother always wanted was now him. He said, you never gave me even a goat. And here you've killed the fatted calf. Maybe the elder brother thought that fatted calf was being prepared for him. Now, I, this is the way I think, you know, when I read a Bible story, I, I begin to, to see a movie. And, and I begin to see this this elder son coming back home and as he gets near he he smells the barbecue 
you know. He, he sees people running around, milling around, celebrating. He hears the music, and, and Dad has finally recognized my accomplishments. Dad is throwing a surprise party for me. Let me get a hold of myself here. Hey, servant, what's going on? Oh, your younger brother's come home, and your dad's killed the fatted calf, and they're celebrating. Oh, doesn't that just get all over you? Somebody else has got the accolade that belonged to you. Oh. I, I, I mean, I can just see how that could cause him anger. His dreams were shattered because his father forgave the prodigal. Of course, the elder brother was angry at his younger brother and of his father. He got all the special attention. Any babies in, in the house, you know, the youngest got all the special attention, right? You know, yeah. As far as the elder brother was concerned, the young, younger brother deserved none of what he was getting. Was he faithful? No. Did he obey the dad? Not once. Then why would he be treated with such kindness and love? This elder brother had a relationship of work with his father, just like the Pharisees had a religion of good works. By their fasting, by their praying, by their giving, they were hoping to earn blessing and favor from God and merit eternal life. In all actuality, they knew little or nothing about the grace of God. But it's not what they did. It's what they did not do that alienated them from God. When they saw Jesus receiving the publicans and sinners, well, it just got all over them. Why would he spend any time? Because they saw him as a rabbi. Why would he be spending time with these irreligious people that had rebelled against their religion? Even more, they failed to see that they themselves needed a savior. In case you forgot, let me remind you, the main character of this parable is not the prodigal son, it's the father. Now, the son comes home, he asks the servant what has happened, then all of a sudden we read the father is coming out. Now, all I can see in that as that movie progressed in my mind, I could just see that servant seeing the anger running into the house and getting the dad and saying, your oldest son is here and he doesn't look too happy. And the father comes out. The same father who ran to meet the prodigal son on that dirty, dusty road leaves the festivities to plead with the older son. Now, he could have come out to chastise the son. Why are you? The servant told me you're angry. Why are you so angry? Isn't it a great thing that your brother has come home? Father could have come out there to put him in his place. But that's not how the father comes. The father comes out to treat him the same way he treated the prodigal, with love, with compassion. Beloved, that's how gracious 
our Heavenly Father is. That's how patient He is with our sin. The Father explains to Him that He would have been willing to give Him a feast for Him and His friends. And in fact, remember last week when we read that the Father divided the property up? He divided it between the two. The older brother already owned everything else. It was all his. And that's what the father reminds him here. You owned everything. You could have done anything that you pleased. But the older brother refused to go in. He stayed outside and pouted. He missed the joy of forgiving his brother. He missed the joy of restoring the broken fellowship. He missed the joy of pleasing his father and uniting the family. I found it strange that the elder brother could speak peaceably to the servant, but not to his father. Let me draw some conclusions as we close this morning which in preacher language doesn't mean we're almost done okay if you are out of fellowship with God you cannot be in fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ and conversely if we harbor any unforgiving attitude toward God we're we're going to we cannot be in communion with the father when when they show true repentance, let's say someone in our church does something devastating and brings a shame to the church and they come back and they're repentant. We need to be like the Father. Run to them, put the robe on them, welcome them, embrace them. Put a ring on their finger, let them know that they're, they're restored completely. Not always keep them at a distance. Now we bring them in. We have to forgive those who sin. We have to seek to restore them in grace and humility. It's interesting that the father has the last word in the story that Jesus tells. So we really don't know how the story ended. Kind of like Jonah, we don't know how that story ended when we studied that. But what we do know is that the scribes and the Pharisees continue to oppose Jesus and separate themselves from him and his followers, eventually bringing about the Lord's death, arrest and death. In spite of the Father's pleading, they would not come in. Everybody in this chapter experienced joy except for the elder brother. The shepherd... He had joy when he found his lost sheep. The, the woman had great joy when she found the coin. All their friends experienced joy of the finding. Even the younger brother experienced the joy of returning and receiving the loving forgiveness of the father. The father experienced the joy of receiving his son who was lost is now found. But the elder brother... He would not forgive. He had no joy. Now he could have repented. He could have come in and attended the feast, but he refused. So he stayed outside and he suffered. 
in my years of preaching and pastoral ministry, I've met a lot of elder brothers and sisters who have preferred to nurse their anger rather to enjoy the fellowship of God's people because they will not forgive. They've alienated themselves from the church. I've even found some that alienated themselves from their family. There was a family had to have two Thanksgivings every year, two Christmases every year. You know why? Two of the brothers couldn't get along, wouldn't be in the same house together. So mom would have two of everything. These elder brothers are sure that everyone else is wrong and they alone are right. They talk loudly about the sins of others, but they're blind to their own sin. I like that Jesus left the story without an ending because what he was doing was giving an invitation to the Pharisees, to the scribes, to those that were listening. There's not an ending because it's up to you. Jesus was making an invitation for them. Now, I know we know from history what they chose, but what I'm saying is God always leaves the door open for us to repent. It's never too late. Your story is not over. What's your choice? How will you live your life? Are you going to remain angry at that brother, that sister, that family member? Are you going to remain unwilling to forgive someone thinking you're right and they're wrong? Hey, you may be right. They may be wrong. But is it worth destroying the relationship? Thinking like that is going to lead you to be all alone in this world. Don't stand outside. The invitation for you this morning is to come. You may see yourself as the prodigal. Well, we invite you to come. Let us receive you. Let us forgive you. Let us love you. Let us restore you. Let us help you. But you may be a Pharisee in the Christian church. And it may just be in your own home. You just cannot let it go. You just cannot forgive. I want to invite you today to just deal with God. Right where you are, come to the front, whatever that need may be. If you're here today and you're looking for a church, you want to join First Baptist, we'd love you to come and be a part of that. Maybe you've never made a decision for Jesus, but you know that you should. We want to invite you to come to know Jesus. Let us share with you out of God's word how you can be saved. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, how powerful and strong that it is. God, you, you leave every blemish to be 